Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and we're going to go once more to the book of the book of Genesis, chapter number one. Genesis chapter number one this morning. As uh, I'm sure everybody knows, thank you all for uh, all my birthday wishes. I'm 41 now. I'm getting old, Brother Billy. <laughs> 40 downhill. Uh, appreciate everybody's kindness and uh, jokes. And uh, I try to keep birthdays a secret, but I have good friends who always out me. So, uh, but there'll be payday someday. Amen? Payday someday. So, Genesis chapter number one. Genesis chapter one. Yeah, that gray hair brother Billy came from pastoring. Amen. Being a dad. <laughs> Paying a mortgage. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter one. Uh, this morning, we're going to be here in just a moment in verse number 26 and 7. That's where we're going to begin. We're going to be dealing with the historical Adam and Eve. The historical Adam and Eve. And that word historical is so relevant and meaningful. That means that they are historical people. I, I Notice I didn't say the mystical Adam and Eve. They're, they're not like folklore. They're, they're not, uh, they're not uh, allegories or it's not a metaphor. They are historical human beings. If you went back, all the way back, you would find Adam and Eve in the flesh. And that's so important to Christianity. Even Liz, the songs she was singing, how he can even, God can even heal, maintain our bodies because He made Adam out of clay. Did you catch the part? It's so a part of our theology, our concept of what we know about God. And it's so important that we get off the milk of the Word. Amen? And we as a church grow in the knowledge of the Word of God. That we need to know what the Bible says. We need to have an answer to the culture that we're living in. We need to know why we believe that God created the heaven and the earth. And we need to be able to, to explain that to ourselves. And we don't, if we can't explain it to ourselves, we can't find it in Scripture, then how can I tell Hayden one day and say, yes, when Hayden comes to me, and I pray he does, when he's 13, 14 years old, and he asks me a question, about something, how the world is trying to reason a different argument to Hayden. And they're going to, you know that. This is nothing new. It's been going on for thousands of years. You could change the subject, but it's always an attack on Scripture. Scripture is always under attack. And one of these days, Hayden will talk to me about something about the Bible, and I need to be able to cite my source and explain to him biblically, reasonably, logically, why we as Christians hold to a certain truth. And it should be done in a way that's not, well, that's just because that's the way it is. No, we should be able to explain ourselves. Even Peter says that we ought to always be able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. We ought to be able to talk about the Bible and explain Christian doctrine. 
And you know, the more you, you, if you can explain Christian doctrine, that means you know Christian doctrine. What does that mean, doctrine? That means you know what the truth is, Christian truth. And the more you know, faith cometh by hearing, and what hearing by the word of what? God. I've been thinking about a passage in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 25. For the word of the Lord endureth forever. That's what the Bible says. For the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen? And I even ask myself, is that what I'm holding to? Is that my conviction? When I'm laughed at, do I still hold to that? When the world mocks at me for what I believe is truth, according to Scripture, can I still say in my heart, yes, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And that has to be our conviction. We need to come to a place as a church, as individual Christians, that I'm holding to the Scriptures. I'm building my life on the Bible. I'm not going to be swayed by worldviews or opinions that are unsubstantiated by even outside external evidences. I'm going to hold to Scripture. I'm going to believe that thus saith the Lord, and the word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen? Because all of this is about that. That's it. It's do we believe the Bible to be the word of the living God or do we not? All of it is about that. You know that? And if we take away truths from Scripture, then the whole doctrine of the gospel falls apart. Now, I'm not saying that for the sake of convenience. I'm, I'm so convinced anymore that you can't take truth away from Scripture because it is the truth. You might disbelieve it. You might say it's not true. You might discredit it in your own mind. But as I've mentioned, you will confess with your mouth. You will bow your knee and you will say that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to have to come to as a church. That the Word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen? We need to have a counterculture to the culture that is being imposed upon the Christian community. We need to know what we're talking about, don't we? We need to be able to have a conviction when the wind blows either way, we've got to be anchored down, don't we? There's a storm going on out there, isn't there? And we've got to be anchored in the truth and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that He is the Word of the living God and He is the living God. Amen? The Word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen? So Genesis chapter 1, the historical Adam and Eve. Is Adam a real human being? Did Adam live on earth? Did Adam exist? Now the world says, no, there's, it's impossible. And we'll see the implications of removing Adam. If you take away Adam, look what also falls with him. So the Bible says... In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For God created man in his own image. Now let's pause for a moment. That 
is a statement in Scripture that is a simple, highly understandable statement, clear, crystal clear, that there is a truth there, that, that God created man in His own image. And so the question has to be asked, am I going to believe the Bible to be the Word of God, the truth of human history? When the Bible clearly says, crystal clear, so God created man in His own image. In the image of God created He Him, male and female created He them. Heavenly Father, Jesus, in Your name we come. Lord, we're seeking, Lord, Your help. Build us up as a church body. Lord, that we can get off the milk of the Word and we can crave and thirst after Scripture and truth. Lord Jesus, please help me. Lord, to do Your Word, Lord, the justice that it deserves. Lord, help me not to say anything untrue. Lord, if I should, if I should ever, Lord, I'm glad that Scripture, Lord, is absolute truth. And Lord, Scripture is what we're bound by. Lord, we pray that Your Word would grow among us, that we would live by it, we would appreciate it, and we would hold on to it. Lord, help me, please. Forgive me, Lord, of my sins. Fill me with Your Spirit, and bless Your Word among us today. In Your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here's what we've learned so far. We've learned that the Bible teaches that God created the universe. We learned that God created the universe in six literal days. And we expounded on that and explained that scripturally last Sunday morning. We learned that death was not before Adam, but that Adam brought sin into the world and Adam thus brought death into the world. And we learned that God created a perfect world, but sin has negatively impacted the world and the universe. That sin brought death into the world. That God does not use death to bring about good, but death was brought about by sin or bad. Notice the, how the world reverses it. The world says over processes of time that death over time, it, we, we evolve or we grow into a more perfect being. But Scripture teaches that we were a perfect being and we devolved, that we sinned and then sin brought death and then death entered into the world. And we experience that on a daily basis, don't we? We've heard prayer requests about it, haven't we? Pray for our this and pray for that. We are dying. We are, all of us. Hey, it's appointed a man wants to die and after this to judgment. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will die without Jesus and spend eternity in a devil's hell. But thank God Jesus came and you can be saved from the consequences of sin today. Amen? Today. And so the Bible is clear that God made the heavens and the earth and God made all the living things and creeping things and God, from our text this morning, God made man after His image. So the Bible clearly teaches that God made Adam and Eve. Well, how did He do it? Look at chapter 2, verse 7. How did God make Adam and Eve? How did God make Adam? And the Lord formed man 
of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So, so the Bible is clear that God used dirt. The material to make Adam was dirt. That's why men are dirty. Amen, amen ladies? God used dirt to make Adam. So the Bible is clear. What is the material that God used to bring about Adam? It was from the dust of the ground. So what does that mean? So that that means that Adam did not evolve. It means that Adam was created. And the Bible is very clear about this. Notice also the language of the creation story. Look at chapter 1, verse number 21. And uh, the Bible speaks about sea life, and God created great wells, every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. It's almost like God thought that man was going to be up to something one day, and way from the beginning, God said, we're going to have fish from fish, we're going to have wells from wells, we're going to have shrimp from shrimp, everything after its own what? Kind. Look, if you will, also at verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, and cattle, and creeping thing, the beast of the earth, after his kind. And so it was. Also notice Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 5. Were there human beings before Adam? Look at this interesting verse. In verse 5 of chapter 2. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew... For the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was, no, there was not a man to till the ground. So what does that mean? That means that vegetation even came before Adam. There was not even a man to till the ground. And so what is the Bible clearly teaching? That God used the material, the dust of the earth, to make Adam. God declares in the statement of our text that God said, let us make man in our image. And also, everything is after its own kind. Everything after its own kind. And how are you, what, are, what kind are you? You were created in the image of God. That's the kind that you are. You see how it is? So think about the relevance of that. You didn't come from a slug. You came from God. You didn't come from a fish. You came from God. You didn't come from a giraffe. You came from God. You didn't come from a bird. You, you came from God. God. God created you in His own image. And so let's look a little further. You ever think about this too? So if man was not the first, if Adam was not the first man, then why did God create Eve? If, if, if God saw that it's not good for Adam to be alone then why did God create Eve? Couldn't Adam just went on a date with some other human being? Couldn't Adam just uh, went on, a, on some website, on a dating.com and found him a girl? No, he, he was alone. The Bible is clear that Adam was alone. I mean, if we just take the Word of God and think for a moment and just think what God has to say, God said, listen, God said, hey, I made, I made man. And everything that came before man is after its own kind. And everything that comes after that's going to be after its own kind. What about man? I made man in, his, in my own image. And, and then God said, and I'm going to create man to till the land. And there was nobody to till the land before God made man. And you know what? I don't want man to be alone. So what does that mean? There is nobody before Adam. 
Nobody's before Adam. You think, well, some of you might think, well, I'm single, but at least you got options. Adam was single. He had no options. I mean, he was alone. You think, yeah, but he was in paradise. But let's be honest, don't you want somebody to experience things with? I mean, so what is Adam? Adam's alone, and God's like, you know, it's not good for a man to be alone. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make another human being. If Adam is not the first human being, why is God making Eve? Where did Eve come from? Where did Eve come from? God said, I'm going to make Adam a helpmeet. I'm going to make Adam go to sleep. I'm going to take a rib from his side. I'm going to make a woman. And you know, and I think that it's fitting, Dr. Adrian Rogers, a great preacher, said when he first saw Eve for the first time, because he'd never seen anything so beautiful before, never saw anything like her before. Yeah, and all that other stuff's nice, but he never seen anything like her before. And he went, whoa, man. That's what he said. Whoa, man. Woman. <laughs> whoa, man. <laughs> Amen. And she was beautiful to Adam. Well, see, why didn't Adam just get somebody else? But somebody else, because there was nobody else. There was nobody else. God is the cause of the universe. God is the He's a Creator God. He said, "Now the world says, Josh." You're a fool, you're foolish, but even Darwin himself, which used to be called Darwinism, now it's called evolutionary theory, which we leave that part out often. Even Darwin himself said two things that I find striking. There's a third thing that when Darwin was dying, he was reading a book and they said, what are you reading? He said, I'm reading Hebrews. It is a most magnificent, holy, awesome book. Something's going on in Darwin's life. I pray to God that he repented of his sin and his unbelief and maybe the grace of God could be magnified. A most royal book, he said about Hebrews. That the grace of God could be magnified by saving Darwin. Do you know that God's grace can save sinners. Amen? Sure can. But Darwin said this. He said, you know what? If it comes to find out that my theory is based upon the idea that single-celled organisms are simple, thus they've grown into complexity. Darwin said, if it comes to find out that single-celled organisms aren't simple, then my theory begins to deteriorate and come to find out at work, I work at Oak Ridge National Lab, and last week I saw the world's strongest, most powerful microscope. I did. I saw an atom magnified. It was amazing. Come to find out when they magnified single-celled organisms, they found within that single-celled organisms, they have a way to, to ingest and digest waste. They are way more complex than we would ever dream. They have little motors inside of them. They can move. It seems that they can think. And we've discovered that on the grandest scale, God displayed His majesty. But also, on the molecular scale, God displayed His majesty and His brilliance. And so God said, one of these days, you're going to look at the simplest life form that you think, and you're going to zoom in on it, and you're going to see that I made it so complex that no man can glory in my presence. 
Francis Kirk. I wasn't even going to mention these things. Or Crick. I pronounce, sometimes I mispronounce his last name. You think, who is he? Well, if you've ever seen murder show shows, you better thank him. Because life is in the blood. And Francis Kirk or Crick discovered DNA and RNA. And the Bible said life is in the blood. And if you're going to murder somebody, you better make sure you don't leave one single cell of your body. Because you know what they're going to find, don't you? DNA and RNA. Francis Kirk said to his students, who is an atheist himself, he said, you have to constantly remind yourself while you're studying this subject that we were not created. We were not created because the complexities of your body are so astounding that you, it screams that you did not get here by accident. Amen? It screams that. One man said that the, that the odds of you just showing up based upon the complexities of your DNA code, that it would make more sense that if we threw the alphabets, what is it, 26 letters, Hayden? Are the 26 letters in the alphabet? He, he knows. He's great at that stuff. If we throw up 26 letters of the alphabet randomly over millions and trillions and billions of years, that it would, we'd have a greater chance of having the Library of Congress over random throwing up the letters of an alphabet to make the Library of Congress, then we'd have a greater chance of that than you showing up here on a planet called Earth with all of your complexities. David said, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Where'd you get the woman from? Where'd you get your girlfriend? God made her. God made you, Brittany. Amen. That's how you do it, fellas. <laughs> Whoa, man. <laughs> That's how you do it. Amen. Amen. So what does this mean? It means literally, God made Adam. That's what it means. It means that God created Adam. It means that God built Adam. And I, I, I even pose this to you. Adam was a genius. Adam was brilliant. I, I think Adam and Eve were way smarter than you and me. Our sin nature has so corrupted our thinking. We even, we even do use the gifts that God has given us in disturbing ways. See, see the world teaches that, that mankind just keeps getting better. Ha, have you not noticed that it seems that we're not getting better? We're not. You know what, even one day if they cure cancer, they can't cure the sin problem that is the greatest misery that mankind has ever experienced. Because I've seen people dying of cancer have a lot of joy in Jesus Christ. God made Adam and Eve. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Amen. I meant to say this the other day. It might not have anything to do with this, you might not think. But it, you know the great, was it the Black Plague of Europe? When everybody was dying and everybody, you, and families were being wiped out. You think COVID was bad. Thank God we didn't live through that, amen? And you, they finally, they didn't know what to do because they didn't understand, and you wouldn't have either. They didn't understand bacteria and disease on a molecular level. You know, if you can't see it, it ain't there. And they were getting diseased and sick, and the whole family would die of the black plague. They had no idea how to stop it. Then finally somebody said, hey, why don't we separate sick people from 
clean people and quarantine people like the Bible says. And some people said, that won't have anything to do with it. And you know what? Historically, come to find out, the Bible ended the Black Plague in Europe because they quit mingling sick people with whole people. The word of the Lord endureth forever. You see, the world is trying to take Adam out of the historical narrative. The world is trying to take Adam and Eve away. And they use that by mockery. The, the, the number one tactic is laughing at you. Like if, 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 you, if, you, if you assert that God created Adam and Eve, you're going to get laughed at. I mean, you're literally, they're going to belly roll at you. They're going to laugh at you, laugh at you. And I, I want to finish the point Darwin said, if I find out that single-celled organisms are complex, my theory is going to have problems. But he also said he believed we're going to find a mountain of transitional fossils that gets, that, that gets a frog to you. But the problem is, is we're not finding a mountain of transitional fossils. We're having trouble supporting the idea of this as mankind. William Lane Craig, a great Christian apologist, you should Google him and watch some of his debates. He said, I don't so much disagree with evolution from a biblical level, which I do, but he said, I even more so disagree with it from a scientific level. It's getting harder and harder to support, thanks, thankfully, to science. So the world wants to take Adam and Eve out of the narrative of mankind. Why is that? You think, why would they care about that? Because is it an attack on the word of the living God. If you take Adam and Eve away, you take a whole lot of stuff with Adam and Eve away too. Now, a lot of people don't even know they're deceived, but they are. And the, the devil sends strong delusion. And the, the carnal mind is enmity against God anyway. And, and men boast in their own foolishness. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, is it chapter 1, that the foolishness of man is, is, is the, the wisdom of man is greater, is not, not as good as the foolishness. The foolishness of God is greater than the, than the, the wisdom of, foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of man. There it is. That mankind in all of his brilliance is really a fool compared to God. And so when we take away Adam and Eve, if we take him away and her away, then this starts falling apart. Because if you can mess it up from the beginning, then the end, by the time you get to the end, it's not as powerful and truthful anymore, is it? So why would they care about Adam and Eve? I'm closing, but follow me if you will. If you follow me to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15, if Adam and Eve are not real human people, if they if they're not historical, if they're not real, if they're not flesh and bone, then that, that enters, a question enters into our mind. Was the fall of man a real human event? Because you know the story of Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden and death brought, and sin brought what into the world? Death. So if you take Adam and Eve away, what have you taken away? If you take Adam and Eve away, if they're not real people, then what have you taken away? You've taken away sin. You've taken away death. That's convenient, isn't it? If you take that away, then, then there is no doctrine that sin has entered into the world. And if you take sin away, and you take the Creator out of the universe and take sin away, then you can do whatever you want to do, right? Is that not what's happening now? I want to scream, open your eyes. Cannot you see what is happening to the world? So you take God out of the universe, you take man out of the, out of the historical narrative, and if you take Adam and Eve away, you take this little story that Adam and Eve sin in the Garden of Eden 
and sin brought death. And take that away, what's that mean about you today? If there's no Adam and Eve, then there's no sin. Then what is sin? That means you're not a sinner anymore because Adam and Eve didn't really exist. You see the dangers of this? Here's what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 21. For since by man came death. For since by man came death. Verse 22. For as in Adam all die. You're in Adam's race. The world says to you that Adam didn't really exist. That if Adam didn't really exist, then death is not entered into the world. And you're not in Adam, then you're not going to die. And if there's no Adam, then guess what? You don't need to be saved. If there's no Adam and there's no sin and there's no lineage of sin and sin hasn't passed down from Adam to you, then you're not a sinner. Sin then is just a social construct. Sin is just how we've tried to control people. Sin then is just what we legislate then or how we decided and took a vote and we're going to decide what's right and wrong. If there is no Adam, then there is no sin. But remember, you were created in the image of God and you have a conscience. And in Romans chapter 2, the Bible says, because after its kind, you are the kind, you came from the image of God, that your conscience, sin is not legislated. Sin isn't a social construct. Sin is not voted on. Sin is recognized by your own conscience because you were created in the image of God. If you take away Adam, you take away sin. If Adam is a mythical person, then you have mystical sin. If Adam isn't real, then your sin isn't real. And my, that's convenient, isn't it? Then let's eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow we die. There is no afterlife. There is no eternal punishment. There's no eternal reward. There is no creator God, and I can do whatever I want to. You see what happens when you take the truth of God's Word out of society or out of your life. I'm losing some of you, I think. I'm not trying to entertain you, though. we got to get off the milk, don't we? we got to get on the meat. I was telling a friend of mine just a few moments ago that when I first started preaching, Pete, I thought I had to get all wound up and worked up, and that's the only way you'd listen to me. But the only problem with that is, is that you'll leave here thinking that, boy, Josh preached hard today. I want you to leave here thinking that that is the truth of the eternal God. And I want His Word in your heart, and it becomes your faith, and your life, and your truth. And His truth will change your life, and His truth will save your soul, and His truth will save your marriage, and His truth will change your family. That's the goal here. We want to learn stuff, don't we? We don't always, we always can't have a revival meeting. We got to know what God's Word says. Amen? So if you take away Adam, you take away sin. If you take away, if Adam is, if Adam is mythical, then your sin is mythical. But if you take away sin, then you take away Jesus. If you take away death, there's no need for life. And last thing I want to show you, if you take away Adam, look, you have no Jesus. Luke chapter number 3, 
The Bible says in verse 23, of Luke 23, of Luke 3, the, it's the lineage of Jesus Christ. This is how we got to Jesus, in other words, historically. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Why does it say that? Because Jesus' dad is God, the son of Joseph. It's the lineage of Jesus. Then in verse number 31, which was the son of Meliah, which was the son of Menan, which was the son of Metophah, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. We're tracing the lineage of Jesus back to David. And then in verse 32, which was the son of Jesse. You know these names now, don't you? Jesus' line goes all the way back to David. All the way back to Jesse. Verse 32, all the way back to Obed. Who's that? He's the son of Boaz, the story of Ruth. You know the story of Ruth, don't you? Boaz saw Ruth and said, whoa, man. That's what he saw. I want that girl. which was the son of Boaz, which was the son of Salmon, which was the son of Naasson, verse 34 of Luke 3, which was the son of Jacob, you know that name, which was the son of Isaac, you know that name, which was the son of Abraham, verse 38, which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. No Adam, no Jesus. No Adam, no need for Jesus. Romans chapter 5, the Bible teaches, verse 17, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15 says, In Adam all die, and in Christ all shall be made alive. Verse 19, For by one man's disobedience many were made sinners. So the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. What does it mean? Adam brought sin into the world, but God sent his son to bring life into the world. No Adam. No Jesus. What Jason's mentioning, and I'm glad he did, we're going we're to pray for our young people. We're not so much... Now, I even feel this as a parent. You leave the academics up to me. You know when the church comes in? You know when I really need your help? I need for us to pray that my son and my daughter and Maddie are kept from this present evil world. I would rather make a C and follow Jesus. I'd rather flunk out of kindergarten and follow Jesus than to know the lies of this current world. He said, well, they're trying to take away the Bible. Yeah, because they're trying to take away Jesus. They're trying to take away Jesus. That's it. You know, we need Jesus in our schools, don't you? We need Jesus in our teachers. (laughs) And there's some good teachers. There are. I mean good ones. Good ones in the faith. We need our children to know the truth. You hear me, kids? God says that He made Adam and Eve. And Adam, listen, children, He brought sin into the world. 
But God loved the world so much He sent His Son. And when the first Adam brought death, the second Adam, Jesus, the, the, the second man who's really perfect, He came bringing life into the world. That whoever believes on Him should not perish because of Adam's transgressions, but should have everlasting life. Amen? You see the implications if we say, if our children believe that God didn't make the heavens and the earth? It is an attack on the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we take Adam out of the minds of our children, we are taking their truth that they are sinners and they're accountable before a holy God and they're in Adam's sinful flesh and they desperately need to be saved by Jesus Christ. If not, they'll grow and they'll bust hell wide open at the time of their death. And some mothers here might say, well, not my children. Yes, your children. Because there's no other way. There's no other way. Now, don't get all watered down and thinking, ah, oh, it won't matter that much. It don't matter if I confront it. It don't matter if I don't attack it or not. It don't matter if it's a hill of beans. I'm just going to send them here. I'm going to send them there. And it don't matter. It absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. There have been a lot of young people who said, I started out good in the faith, and then I heard about this, and my church didn't have an answer for it. Or the pulpit never addressed it. Or they never proved to me. Or never doubted it. Or never shot a hole in it. Because, oh, it don't matter. Yeah, your little babies could become the vilest, most disrespectful atheists the world has ever seen. Because their nature is edemic. They have Adam's sinful nature in their flesh. And your upbringing can't save them. Your upbringing can't wash them. Your upbringing can't cleanse them. Your upbringing can't give them everlasting life. You take away Adam. You take away Jesus. And here's the truth, and I'm closing. Moms and dads, mamas and papas, the world's taking away Adam from your kids. They're taking it away. And they don't even understand the theology, but they're going to have this strange idea that, you know what, if there's no Adam then maybe none of this matters. If there's no Adam, there's no Jesus. If there's no Adam, there's no sin. If there's no Adam, there's no death. If there's no Adam, then there's no creator. If there's no creator, then I'm not accountable. If I'm not accountable, I can do whatever I want to because there is no God, because there's no Adam. You see how important it is. I wish God would give me the words, but I preached it and I said it. And I proclaimed it. And it could have been better, yeah, but it can't be more truer. Because it is the truth. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for being patient with me today. Hey, we got a good church here, don't we? Got a good church. Hey, while you're turning, I want to invite you to to come back tonight. We're going to have the Lord's Supper, and it'll be a, it's a little bit faster service. So the devil's going to say, uh, "You're tired. You're wore out. Listen, I'm barely going to preach tonight. That's my intention. I re- that's my prayer. Even I just want to. I want the the Lord's communion table to be the emphasis. I do. I want it to be the emphasis of tonight." So I want to invite you to come back tonight. But first, if there's anyone here today 
Maybe God's pricked your heart. Maybe God, the truth of God is bright in your mind and your heart. And you realize you're of Adam. And in Adam all die. But God sent His Son to save you from your sins because of Adam's transgressions. You need a Savior just like Adam did. You need a lamb just like Abraham did. You need to be born again. You need to be saved. Maybe if you want to even take my hand and say, Brother Josh, I want to be saved. I'll say, hey, I can't save you. But I can tell you about Jesus who can. You know, I can't, but I could walk you to the foot of the cross and I know if you'll go there, He'll do the rest. Amen. And maybe somebody, that's you today. You'll say, Brother Josh, I just want to be saved. I'll say, I can't, but I know a man who can. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. You obey the Lord.